Welcome to this week's episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your host, Lisa Drennan, author of Forgiving the Girl Inside, Finding Balance, Freedom, and Fun in Your Life. Be sure to download your free ebook at lisadrennan.com. All right, yeah. So today we have Kirsten Besky with us. You have the most amazing background. You were an attorney. Uh, you know, you've, you've been doing a couple of, what is it? A um, psychotherapist, you said, yep. is that how you say that? Yeah. So how did you move from a, an attorney to a psychotherapist? I don't see how those two areas mesh. <laughs> so about that. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And um, I have a long form answer. And part of it is probably what we'll talk about some more here. But if you think about it, you know, we call it our attorneys counselors, right? That's one of their names. Um, and I did go into the law to actually help people. Um, when I switched to psychotherapy, I had the same goal of helping people. And I had this, I had a coach, a hockey coach, because I played adult women's hockey. And he, my, his nickname for me was counselor. And so when I told him I was changing fields and I wouldn't be practicing law anymore, I was going into, you know, get my master's in psychology and become a therapist. He said, well, what am I going to call you? And I said, counselor. <laughs> You know, it's, it's the same name. It's still counseling people just in a different way. So um, all the, the the curiosity and being able to, you know, get facts uh, and use your brain to synthesize what you're hearing and then help people based on that, that that they do overlap there, but it is a rather strange change. Um, But one I've never regretted uh, because it really, um, it really is more of a calling for me. Um, and when I started coaching about four years ago, it was just an extension of that um, kind of idea that I'm here, I have some skills and I'd love to use them to help pull people forward in their lives and, and be their best selves. So it's, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And now that you said that, it's funny because I used to be a paralegal and, um, you know, I'm a certified aroma freedom practitioner. So very similar. And I thought, yeah, so when I was a paralegal, I concentrated on real estate, but we did, you had to consult the people through the process and, you know, like they'd be all nervous. I'm like, oh, it's just same old forms over and over again. <laughs> no worries. But when you're buying a house, I mean, that's a life, uh, a life moment, right? One of those big changes. It's like, wow, I have a mortgage. I'm a house owner, and the legalities, and making sure you know their property lines and all of that. Right. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And you know, I should know that as an energetic mindset mentor, words mean so much. And you think of all the like one word, and there's all these different ways to say that one word. So attorney, lawyer, counselor. So yeah, I totally get that now. Love I'm it. Glad, glad it's squire. Yeah. Yeah. Esquire. Like now where did that Esquire come from? That's something about gentlemen. We we don't talk about that <laughs> anymore. That's, that's just the old school. <laughs> so many move on. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. I remember those days back in the eighties. So tell us about your journey. So you were, um, you'd gone through this, you know, this forgiveness part, this healing, this inner, inner child thankfulness. Tell us what you what you were like before you hit your darkest moment. Well, so I, I was um, I was practicing law and I was doing all the things as right as I could. Right, I you know I didn't. I'm living my life. I'm 
uh, you know, checking off the marks. I graduated from Harvard. I graduated from Boston University School of Law. I got a job at a big law firm in Boston. I found the man that I wanted to marry. I moved to Vermont with him, and we decided uh, became partner at our law at the law firm. And um, so I was like, you know, living the dream. <laughs> and um, and then we decided that we should start a family, um, which I don't regret one bit. Um, but the first, um, my first, my eldest child. Um, I will abbreviate the story, but I was on bed rest for three months with her. Um, I practiced law out of a lazy boy recliner <laughs> while I was on bed rest. Um, and the cool thing was she was born fine, cesarean section, no worries. I expected that. And then um, we went in for our one week well baby visit. And at that time, um, the doctor said, huh, is your child upset? And I'm like, no. And then they come back with the EKG machine and they hook her up and they say, so can you take your child and walk to the emergency room? I will meet you there uh, on campus. And so I go and go to the emergency room. It was like code red. And apparently her heart was an attack of cardia. It was beating like 300 beats a minute. And it was, go she would be going into congestive heart failure. So they're ordering mm. a helicopter from the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center to fly down to get her, to bring her up there. And it was this big triage mess. And anyway, in the end, she is fine. She's 21 years old today. Um, and oh, and she had to have, uh, it turned out she had a tumor in her heart and she had to go to Boston uh, and get open heart bypass surgery where they stop your heart and take out the tumor um, down there. And she, it turned out fine. She's fully recovered. We didn't have any really restrictions. It was wonderful. So we said to ourselves, what could be worse than having open heart surgery on your infant. Let's try for another child. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we did and got pregnant again. And I expected I may very well be on bed rest again. And what happened was, um, well, my, and my child was going to be born in January. And what happened in September of 2001 was uh, the attack on the World Trade Centers, um, the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Mm -hmm. I had a friend, my very first boyfriend, um, unfortunately passed away in one of the towers. So I was pregnant. I was worried I was going to go on in premature labor anyway, but he, they finally declared him dead because, you know, they didn't know for I'm weeks so whether people were really just missing or dead. And so I wanted to go to his funeral. And um, instead I had my second child three months early and he was only one pound, 11 ounces. And he was very, very fragile. And the, he spent three months in the NICU and he had bowel surgery and almost died more than once. Um, and the good news is he's 19 today. He made it through freshman year of college, despite the pandemic, <laughs> um, you know, all was well that ended well, but it was really hard. And so he came home on oxygen with an ostomy bag that was reversed. I don't know if you know what ostomy bag is, but he had that, you know, they really thought he was dying. So they did this emergency surgery and it turned out he lived. And so when he was in for that surgery and they told us there was very little chance that he was going to come out alive or survive past it. Cause he was very, very, very little. I mean, one he was still in that one pound 11 ounce range. Yeah. Um, wow. That was my darkest moment. And um, it, it, it was really, really hard. And the fact that he survived, I consider a miracle. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that he's not blind or deaf or has cerebral palsy is also a miracle because at that stage of gestation, either, you know, we have 40 weeks of pregnancy. He was born at 26 and five sevenths weeks gestation. You know, we really didn't, he didn't get to, you know, bake properly. Um, so the right. wonderful people at Dartmouth-Hitchcock, who I'm super grateful to every day, um, kept him alive and, and it was wonderful. Um, and then he came home and then we started all of the hard work of keeping him alive ourselves. <laughs> and so what I did was I got everyone through, you know, the family got through, he became stable. My daughter became stable. I continued to practice law throughout this journey. And at some point I started realizing I was acting out in unhealthy ways. Um, and, and so the, the wake up point for me was when I found myself doing things that like I was kind of um, self-medicating in ways. I, I I wasn't drinking too much, but I was definitely drinking. I was definitely going out of my way to find exciting, fun, thrilling things to do. And I was definitely eating, uh, you know, eating for emotional regulation. And I had never experienced such dysregulation before. So I was, I felt like I was kind of falling apart. And I had, I was like, what does one do when one falls apart? And I had mm-hmm. never been to a counselor or a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist or all the different names we call the helping profession. Um, I think I had asked to go see one once upon a time when I was a teenager. My parents were like, oh, no, 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 you don't need that. Because <laughs> I came from, <laughs> the family, you know, that we don't do that kind of thing. You can figure it out. And so I, for the very first time in my life admitted that maybe I could use a little support. And I went to a a therapist who was fabulous and I discovered, wow, you can actually really help people's lives in this profession. And I might, you know, I've never experienced that before. And then as I took care of my kids and I, um, and I continued to practice law, I realized this wasn't working for me. Um, I wasn't doing the kind of work I wanted to do. It was too time intensive. I was trying cases all over the state. I'd have to leave the kids. So I went to a, a coach, a career coach, and worked through, well, what, what, what would I like to do otherwise? And it was only through the co- working with that coach, I actually could give myself permission after the whole process we went through to realize what I really wanted to do was go into psychiatry. You know, No, not psychiatry, psychology. Uh, psychiatry is those doctors, and I wasn't going to go back to med school. I already had one doctorate in the law. And so I I knew I wanted to work with people. And so I gave myself permission to stop practicing law, go back to school, get my master's in psychology. And I've had a private practice uh, for about a decade um, until I've moved now into coaching. Um, So um, I really just um, used what I learned from being in that really bad place I asked myself those existential questions because when, when after 9-11 happened, we're asking ourselves like, what is this world, right? So I'm bringing a child into this world where we just had this horrible attack that people died, you know, and in like, why, like, how do you justify bringing life into the world? If you don't have a, a really firm sense of like, what's our meaning? What's our purpose? Why are we here? And so the sense that I made for myself was I was here to, to serve others on this journey. Uh, as best mm-hmm. as I could. And so I've been living that ever since. And as I said, I haven't regretted it yet. I, I really, um, I loved the intellectual practice of practicing law, but I love working with people. Um, I get so much yeah. gratification of watching people grow into themselves. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It is. I know when I watch my clients transform and I see them um, just flourish into what their purpose is and to get that clarity 
I know when I first meet with my clients, they're all over the place. Well, I want to do this, this, and I can do it all. I know I can, and it's okay. And it's like, okay, yeah, but you can only focus on one thing at a time. So let's just <laughs> let's focus, and then we'll add things as this one becomes successful. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. those bumpers for people like uh, in uh, bowling. Yes. Like, let's put up those uh, lane bumpers so we don't end up in the the what do what do they call those, those side the um you gutter. know the <laughs> the gutter. So yeah, I call it roadblocks. So I'm like, we're gonna remove all the roadblocks, the hazards, you know, the tree, the fallen trees that block your view from or your way as you're driving down the road. You know, you got that that big tree that falls. And you're like, where do I go? What do I do? And I want to do the book. I want to do that. And it's funny because some some coaches, mentors will actually promote like the multiple income streams, but there's a way to do it so that you're not feeling overwhelmed. You're not like, you know, what do they call it? You know, jack of all trades, master of none. Right. That's what sometimes you feel like when you're, especially when you're a brand new coach and you're starting off Um, and people get confused about like what's my niche like how am I going to I don't want to just talk to that one person because what about all the other people I want to help I don't want to help all these people it's like you can't <laughs> you have your group <laughs> and this group's going to go over here so yeah it's it's amazing how our thoughts can really um, change the trajectory of how we perceive things um, when we just entertain all of that so your profession is incredible and how you just kind of keep people focused and balanced and it's amazing because you went through, I mean, to watch your child struggle, totally helpless, um, knowing that it's like a medical condition, you're totally reliant on the professionals, the medical staff to care for your child and then watch your child grow into adults, young adults and be perfectly fine. That's got to be a beautiful journey in itself. But I can't even imagine the struggles, you know, losing the friends, seeing what was going on with 911, being like, you know, directly impacted by that. And then still having to do your job. Like you were talking about being pregnant and having to do your job in your chair and being a lawyer is stressful. Um, so I don't care what part of the law you're practicing, <laughs> you know, it's stressful because, you know, it's like constant and you got to make sure your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed and you're not going to get the judge upset. <laughs> I owe a lot to uh, my paralegal and my secretary at that time who kept me, uh, kept me in line while I was trying to do it from the chair. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So you had said the psychotherapist had helped you, you were actually working with her. So what kind of modality did they implement that really was a pivot point for you and to begin your healing and your processing? Well, the cool thing is that um, the therapist I worked with is the kind of person that really lets the client lead, which is kind of what the way I do it as well. So I, um, and excuse me, I'm, I'm going to cough. So I'm gonna right in the middle right <laughs> so i um i got uh, i i had an interest in um kind of mindfulness meditation and what i call buddhist psychology so as opposed to the religion of buddhism it's there's a really great psychology that's come out of the tradition of, of buddhism and a lot of it uh, involves really working with your mind uh, around what you focus on, what you don't, and letting um, some natural insights come up. So at the time that I was working with the therapist, we worked on um, a lot of kind of insight type um, meditation work. So <clears throat> the modality was 
really around trying to tap into inner wisdom and bring it forward um, through quiet times. And I'm um, I'm an introvert, but you can imagine when you're practicing law and you've got a couple kids, you, you're not finding your introvert time to be down, you know, and relax. So part of the healing involved carving out enough time to be able to spend a little time um, in quiet and contemplation and reflection. And I've always been a journal, you know, journaling person ever since I was young. I have journals way back to when I was probably like 10 years old. Um, so writing uh, became a big part of my healing where I would have, have some time to contemplate. And then I would also journal because it helped me process all the complicated thoughts I was having. Um, <clears throat> so I always recommend um, if anyone is remotely <laughs> willing to write, um, to just take that time, carve out that time to be able to, um, process your thoughts yourself. So, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you don't, you don't need that counselor. You don't need a therapist. Um, if you're willing to look in and be honest with yourself, you can get a lot of insight on your own. Sometimes you just need the structure and the, um, that, you know, someone kind of holding you accountable to taking that time. Yeah, absolutely. I love journaling. I tell my clients all the time, the power of pen and paper is priceless. I mean, I have very specific exercises that we do. And I mean, I write every single day and I, it's one thing I will not compromise. Like, no, we have time to do this. We're going to make time. I don't care if I slept in or if we're running late and I didn't do it yet. That's five minutes. That's all I want. Just leave me alone. <laughs> right, right. So nice so, yeah. centering exercise to do too and can set the tone for the day. Yes, absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody that experiences that has experienced or is currently experiencing something similar to what you went through? Well, I hope nobody has to experience what I went through, but if, but we all have health emergencies and kid problems um, uh, all the time. Um, and so I think one of the big lessons I learned is it's okay to rely on other people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't um, have to do it all yourself because I think previously I was super independent and thought that was the way to be. And I've learned now that we're all interdependent and it's really nice to be able to have some community and let people be generous with you. And then you can be generous in return. So I'd say, use your support, seek out that help, get, you know, get, um, you know, use your friends, use your, you know, relax, let your family help you all, all the different, anywhere you can, can get some support, let them come in and let them help you. Don't think you have to do it all by yourself. Yeah. The first step is to ask, ask for help. Don't be afraid because you're not alone. And so many of us think that we were alone. We're the only ones that experienced that. Or if I tell, they're going to think poorly about me or my family or to definitely find somebody you trust. So that's excellent advice. So what do you offer? You, you said you're a coach. So what, what is your coaching program like? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a mindset strategist. So I like to work with people in transition, um, <clears throat> much like I changed from practicing law to becoming a therapist. And I, and a few other, you know, a married person to a not married person, we go through these big life transitions. And so I'm a mindset strategist that helps people first get clarity on what they are trying to accomplish and then help guide them through the process of change. Because in my experience, when you're making big shifts in your life, it's scary, right? It's not as yeah. simple as like, oh, I want to do that. 
the steps you have to take to move from point A to point B end up challenging and challenging you in ways that you may not even understand and often can get us blocked um, and just keep us not getting there, not getting there. And we wake up five years later and we still haven't done that thing we wanted to do. So, so we get clear on what our mission is and our purpose in life. And I use the pillars of positive psychology because I'm, I've been certified in applied positive psychology. And there's a kind of um, these evidence-based um, studies that have been done about how humans thrive. So we use that as the outline by which we move through the stages of change, making sure we use those um, as touch points so we can stay in our, a really um, a place of thriving. And then I use a lot of my stress reduction um, skills and techniques to help people tolerate the discomfort of moving into those scary places of change, because that's where a lot of us get stuck. You know, it feels so uncomfortable to do something new, even if it's something good that we um, mm-hmm. sometimes don't go there. So, so then we have to learn how to regulate ourselves in, inside ourselves. I call it our inner leadership. And, um, and I have a technique I work with there. And so it just gets people all the way across to the other side so they can actually meet the goals that they've maybe held for years and just never acted on. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. The uh, secret sauce to your program. It sounds very interesting. And I love that you bring in those different colors. And, you know, if you don't have a strategy in place, you can't get through it. And I know a lot of people are afraid to connect with a coach because they're like, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. And, you know, maybe they've been burned before from a program. And a lot of times they don't understand you need a specific strategy and you need to know whether that coach's strategy is going to work for you because sometimes it won't because it's not in your, it's not in alignment with what you need. And it's really important to interview your coach, just like we interview our clients to see if they're a good fit. You know, you need your soulmate client. You need your soulmate uh, coach. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's an incredible, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I love, I love what you're doing. So how can people connect with you? Well, I do run um, a group uh, in Facebook called Becoming Boundless, and I do free teachings in there. Um, We have a weekly live where I go over some topic or another, um, and then I have large master classes from time to time. Um, So that would be if you searched for, I believe that you Becoming Boundless um, (laughs) in Facebook, you would find me, but you can just shoot me an email. Um, and so uh, I have a, my broad company because of my positive psychology background. It's called APRO Positive. It's a little, you know, play on words. And so Kirsten at APRO Positive, I'm sure we could put that in the show notes. Um, uh, and uh, just send me an email. I'm, I'm really open to being contacted. And uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm happy to um, I'm on a little bit of um, IG, uh, but you could definitely find me in any of those search engines and and then message me because I respond to my messages. Awesome. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your modalities. And thank you listeners for being here. If you know anyone that can benefit from this interview please share that with them and we will put in the description the links to connect with Kristen so that you can find her wherever your social media hangout is and always remember your journey is a matter of the heart